0: Welcome to SLP Full Disclosure, a podcast for SLPs by SLPs, where we deep dive into a variety of topics to empower, educate, and entertain. Join us each episode to hear from expert guests and topics that matter most. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and let's jump into this episode. Well, welcome to SLP Full Disclosure. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, I am one of your hosts, Jennifer Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Hunter. Hello, everybody. We are very excited today. Um, I cannot say enough about our first two guests. Um, Everybody who meets them ends the sentence with, I just love them. Um, so, they are uh, very lovable people. Um, they are two SLPs that um, have a lot of information to share and a lot of fun stories. And um, it is Kurt Kina and Julie Irwin. So, hello and welcome. Hi. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes. So, I'm going to give a little quick bio on each of you, and then we'll get started. And just for our listeners to know, this will be a two-part episode. So, our first episode is going to focus on... Um, moving from setting to setting, because as you will find, um, both Kurt and Julie have a lot of experience with this. Um, And our second episode is going to focus more on travel therapy and um, some of the fun and um, not-so-fun things that go along with that. So I'll go ahead and get started. So Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, She is originally from New Jersey and got her bachelor's degree at Loyola University, um, Maryland, and her master's degree at Montclair State University, She loves um, travel, new experiences, yoga, spending time with family and friends. Um, And get this, she, again, this is why they are our guests for working in many settings. She has worked in early intervention, schools, acute care, rehab, hospitals, and skilled nursing. Um, And a fun fact about her is that she is trying to see all 50 states by the age of 30, and she is close at 45 states, only 45, um, and has a couple (laughs) years to spare. So um, very cool. Yeah, our second guest is Kurt. And he also went to Montclair State University, which we'll talk about how they met. Um, He has worked again uh, Many, many settings, acute care, outpatient, inpatient rehab, public schools. Um, Some of the things that he loves are hiking, yoga, cooking, eating, as you will see if you um, go to follow his Instagram page. He has lots of fun food photographs, um, and of course traveling. Um, his very favorite country is Spain, where it is a very important reason that he loves it and also met his husband there. So a couple of cool reasons to love that country. Um, he has loved being a travel therapist and has just really grown professionally and personally. So welcome. Thank Thanks. you. Yeah. So I think, you know, just to get started, I would love for you both to just kind of take us back. Where did this amazing friendship start? At first, I don't think we liked each other.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I had anything against Julie. I just didn't really know who she was, and I kind of came into the grad program with two friends um, from undergrad. So I guess just because we were forced to work together together um, as graduate assistants, we got to kind of know each other, and inevitably realized that we're both great people. And <laughs> if you do say so we, yourself, we, we just we developed a pretty strong friendship. I I would say probably two semesters in, yeah. Um, and from there, just we couldn't get enough of each other. <laughs> Truly,
2: but in the beginning, we were the only two who sat up front in yeah, the class. True. So he was on my radar, and he was the only male. So I was like, huh, let's befriend this guy, because everyone else kind of has a similar story, and you were a a bit different. Um, But we were actually both brought to Montclair on a research fellowship where our schooling was paid for by our research. So not only were we in all of our classes together and having to do clinic together, but we had to be in a room like eight feet by six feet, 25 (laughs) hours a week together. So it was either best friends or (laughs) Worst Mortal enemies. enemies. <laughs> it's like, it like a like a reality
0: show slash like hostage hostage situation. Real world grad school. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it luckily worked out for the best. But since then, I mean, you became part of my family. Yeah.
1: And I mean, any time I can spend with her family is is great. I mean, I always try to go back and see them. Obviously, just like I want to see my own family. But yeah, um, yeah. As soon as. We really started becoming friends. It just, like, snowballed into just a huge relationship.
2: And he's the gutsy one. I have the good ideas, but he's the gutsy one. So I was like, I think we've been here long enough in New Jersey. We need to get out. I think I'm going to do travel therapy. And he's like, okay, when? And I was like, oh, wait, it's happening? Uh, (laughs) Okay, so without his push, I don't know if I would have jumped on. Like, the idea sounded amazing to me, but to do it alone was a little scary. And to have a friend right there being like, just tell me where we're going and I'll join you was amazing.
0: Did you have an area when you were in grad school where you felt like, okay, this is an area I want to specialize in. Did you ever think about just taking a perm job or um, was there something that you were like, because, you know, when I got out, I was like, I want adults in, in mm-hmm. acute. That's what I'm doing. And Did you f- have I think something we like that? There. We both
2: were there. Yeah. I actually said to the, I think we were the only two people in the whole program who didn't do a pediatric placement because we were so certain that we didn't want to work with kids. I only, well, wanted... I
1: worked with, I did pediatric, oh, but, it did. A, but it was, but it was, it was a hospital okay. and outpatient.
2: Well, um, I made a stink and I, but I didn't, I said, I only want adults. I'm sure of it. And so they let me do all of my internships with adults. I actually don't have pediatric hours. And I mean, I did through our clinic, but not in externship. And um, I was certain of that, but when we started looking at these job options and schools fell in my lap, I was initially hesitant, but then ultimately was like, for the experience, it'll be worth it. I'll see if I like it. And now, three years in, <laughs> I keep repeating it. But so I you did- immediately
0: like knew that... Did you try to get a CF doing medical? Was that your initial thought, or were you thinking, I don't care what it is as long as I can travel?
2: Initially, I was trying to do medical because both of my externships were very high-profile hospitals and rehab Mm -hmm. hospitals who said, we want you to work here, but you cannot unless you have your clinical fellowship year in a medical setting, and they didn't offer CFY positions. Um, So I was really trying for that, but I kind of took quality of life over – the pressure of fitting into a really tight spot that was being laid for me without my control. <laughs> and we took this, and I luckily did a few months into school and then was able to transition into a medical setting. So I finished out my CF um, in a medical setting and kind of got the best of both worlds. But yeah, I we both were set on... Permanent Medical. jobs in New Jersey. Yeah, You I mean, really wanted that one hospital? And yeah, I-
1: where I wor- did my clinical uh, externships. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work there, and when we graduated, there just wasn't a position available for me. So I was like, yeah, what the heck, let's drive to Washington and live there. Um, so
0: you tried. It wasn't yeah, for lack of effort. I was, it just was, I not- was
1: interested, but yeah. it just wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turned out, while we were out in Washington, a position did open up for me at what I thought and Kind of in some ways still is my dream job, um, at a hospital in New Jersey, but um, travel therapy just kind of sucked me back in.
0: Um, So you went from New Jersey school
1: out, yeah, school out in Washington Mm -hmm. was our first Mm -hmm. job together, but our first jobs as CFs, Mm -hmm. um, and then ended up going back home um, to finish out my CFY and and beyond Mm -hmm. as um, a hospital. Um, acute care outpatient inpatient rehab kind of across disciplines and ages
0: Mm -hmm. wow that's interesting you started your CF and both of you left and went elsewhere to finish it yeah yeah
2: I actually was at three different places which is I think frowned upon by Asha but oh well sorry Asha (laughs) (laughs) for me it was wonderful because it gave me these short-term spurts where I was able to see is this something I like or not and I I've always been pleasantly surprised with settings, which to me is like the biggest thing I've taken from travel because I was so closed-minded and thought I had one path to follow and that was the path I was going to continue to go down. And now with the experience in so many different settings, I just am so glad because I know no matter where I am or where I go, I can have a little more flexibility in what jobs I apply for and know I won't be miserable because there's good in all of them.
1: Mm Yeah, I couldn't believe, I mean, starting the job out in Washington, I was like, there is no way that I'm going to like working in a school. Like, I'm going to hate this. I'm not going to make any progress.
2: You used to hate kids. I mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> the really young ones know, but the ones like once they get older and have attitude, I was like, I'm not going to like that. And I was crying my eyes out my last day of school after being with them for three months. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But um, we've learned so much at each one of our placements and every school or every setting that we've worked in is so different. Um, and the other nice thing about taking these contracts is that at least for me, I know when I'm starting a new contract, I don't really have that like new job jitters. I'm like, I can do this. Like I can I'm a quick learner, I'm flexible, I'll figure it out and I'm gonna get something out of this. They're gonna get a lot out of me and I'm gonna get out a a lot out of out of this placement. Um, I know I'm gonna learn and grow, um, and I'm gonna give what I have to wherever I'm gonna work.
0: That's awesome. Did you have a question?
3: Well, I just wanted to know how did that transition go when, you know, you went into your CF year and you thought, okay, I'm entering a school. This isn't (laughs) what I want, but I'll make the best of it. And then suddenly you're changing to a whole new setting. How did that feel as the CF walking into a new facility that you weren't familiar with and weren't necessarily expecting to be there?
1: It was it was intimidating in the sense that I had no idea what I was doing. We really got no instruction in how to be a therapist in school. Um, in our externships, yes, but, again, we were not, neither of us were in a school setting. Um, so it was scary, um, but also we were both at schools where we were alone. So it was kind of hit the ground running, figure it out. Um, you're kind of your own boss, which was nice, um and then we did have the support of Melissa at the time mm-hmm. who was both uh, our, both of our um extern or CF um supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um so we did have some support we had support, um, but we were still kind of doing this thing all on our own.
2: And I think as scary as that was, it was kind of putting us to the test and being like, Are we going to sink mm-hmm. or swim? And let's show the world what a what a good therapist we can be, no matter what situation we're placed in and I think that's a huge part of our field is being flexible thinking on our feet and making the best of the situation and we know that we were prepared knowledge-wise and had some clinical skills and it was like now let's put it to the test and as long as the good thing about us and the good thing about many people in our profession is our hearts are in the right place so you want to best serve whoever you're working with whether it's a child or a patient who suffered a stroke or a geriatric patient, you your heart gets dedicated to them and you'll do what you can to succeed. And I think that's the biggest thing I've taken from travel because I came into it as such a perfectionist and such a planner. And this is kind of like anything can come your way, and, but now we are very well equipped to handle mm-hmm. that. And that's a huge that's come from this travel, aside from seeing the country and meeting new people and learning from different professionals and being on different teams where you bring a different element every single time you're on a new Mm -hmm. team. You're like, oh my goodness, who knew? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also this learning experience where you kind of get that confidence deep rooted in you and you're like, I can do this. I've done it before. And switching so frequently kind of has helped me do the same thing with you like I got this
1: yeah you just walk in and say okay <laughs> it's going to be different and who knows what's going to happen and this could go really really well the first yeah. few weeks or it could be a total disaster but in the end it works out and tru- every time but
2: truth be told I also I'm like and if it doesn't we're only here for <laughs> it's only 13 weeks
3: <laughs> Yeah,
0: I can do anything for no weeks. Yeah,
3: I, that confidence though is really amazing and I think like thinking about most speech therapists being kind of this perfectionist mm-hmm. personality of wanting to really, I mean, because our heart's in the right place that we really want to help, but knowing you're going to bring something special to the table and no one can take that away. And that's really cool.
0: And I have a question too. I want to go back to when you started your um, CF, because that's a very common thing we hear all the time is, you know, it just as you both stated, it's really challenging to get your clinical fellowship in a medical setting. It Mm -hmm. just is. It's just the way it is. And so um, we talk to people all the time that feel like, you know, like the schools are where SLPs, you know, like, I don't want to go there. That's not what I want. And so um, trying to explain to them that, you know, this is one stop in your journey. So when you got to that school, I mean, in in full transparency, were you like, I'm just going to get this over with? And if you did feel that way, at what point did you, did it kick in like, oh, I actually like this?
1: I would say day one, I felt like, oh my God, like just got to get through it. It's 13 weeks, Mm -hmm. but it's it's not going to be fun, but I'm going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And maybe like by the second week, I was already enjoying it because I had already established a relationship with kids and I could see that I did have skills that would make a difference in their abilities to communicate. So I think I
2: just had to do an ego shift because Mm -hmm. I came out of grad school being like, I'm very good at what I do. (laughs) And I worked at the best brain injury rehab hospital in the world and I got the coolest patients and that's all great. And so I was thinking that schools would be like a downgrade from Mm -hmm. that. And I totally had to just shift my mindset and be like, this is totally different. I'm still learning every day. I've learned more in schools than I did in hospitals because I had no idea. (laughs) And so... My brain has been stimulated being in schools, whereas I kind of thought it would be the reverse. Mm -hmm. I've grown these relationships, and I've also gotten such a good sense of work-life balance, which I didn't have in the medical settings. And to me, that makes me a better therapist. That makes me a better friend and family member. And I've thrived being in schools because my heart can go into it, but I don't go home being like, oh my gosh, what do I do for that patient? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or I have to stay late and lay with them. (laughs) (laughs) Kurt makes fun of me because I would say the people in the nursing home who didn't have family members, (laughs) I would like hang out with them really late at night. And he's like, You would lay in their beds. I was like, I mean, I would sit on the bed with
0: them. But I would just. That's like another episode. (laughs) 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 Lifestyle to the. I guess it's a way to save on rent. You're like, I just, can you just live here. Can I just sleep. You this tonight? Chair Is it in the be awkward if I just have a blow up mattress yeah. in the floor? Uh, uh, you won't even know I'm here. Are you going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to eat all that, are you? <laughs> Gravy
1: smells good.
0: <laughs> it's meatloaf night. Meatloaf night.
1: Um, oh, so,
0: I mean, sounds like, you know, when you went into the medical after that was did your brain have to radically shift to think like okay now i have to you know work with this population or did you feel like it was easy to take some of those skills and move them to the next setting
2: i think we are both pretty strong and objective clinicians and have a lot of great experiences from the medical setting which have translated because Every time we go to a school, I feel like we get nice praise from people. They're like, how did you know that? Or how did you do that? Because we are trained in such an evidence-based clinical way in the medical setting. So that transition was really nice. Um, but I don't think my brain did too much of a th- thinking about it. I just was like... Doing the same, that what I said before, my ego had to shift and be like, it's not about the case, it's about the underlying principle that whoever we're working with, we're trying to better their lives in some fashion. And when I changed that focus, I was able to become a much better clinician in, across settings and not worry about any stigma. I rem- remember, I have a rough New Jersey family, but they'd be like, school speech pathologists are the dumb ones. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> That's not... That's, but then I started feeling that way. They're like, the the ones who can't get the jobs in medical go into mm. to schools. And I felt that pressure, and I started believing it. And I realized that's not true. And if it is, let's change it. Right. <laughs> like, and we,
1: I think we yeah, are. Yeah,
2: I think so too.
1: I think for me, just shifting back to the, the medical setting, I because I had worked there just a few months prior, it wasn't too, I mean, it was a shift, but I, I knew what I was getting back into. But every day there I was shifting because one day I was an outpatient. The next day I was kind of shadowing in the NICU. The next day I was working with adults at bedside. The next day I was observing MBSs. It was just like every day of my CF, which was good and bad. I never felt settled um, until I continued on, but I got a lot of great experience. Um, But, yeah, there was no feeling of – I never felt like, oh, my gosh, now I have to totally shift my brain. Just kind of – I knew – I knew what to do, and I that was it. I just I knew I was moving back I knew what to expect
2: now I will be honest though I my next placement I'm hoping to go back into a queue which I haven't been in since two thousand fifteen. Um, I am worried about going back there just I've been every night this week doing continuing ed because I do feel like I might have gotten a little bit rusty or forgotten some things or kind of I'm now in that lackadaisical school mode where it's like, well, well, we'll get it done throughout the day. The kids are here and nothing's life-threatening, whereas there you're so quick-thinking and you feel the pressure of having someone's sick or impaired condition in your hands. So I do, I the shift from medical to school was fine. I do have a little fear from going from school back to medical.
0: And so just is most of that fear just feeling like, Things have changed and that you don't you're not up to date on what's out there or that you've forgotten some of your skills.
2: I think and Kurt always says this to me. He's like, you're going to go back the first day. Yeah. (laughs) And you're going to be fine. But it's just the fact that I've been out for so long that I and I know the caliber is set so high in the medical setting that I want to perform there. And I that perfectionistic thing is still in me. So I I want to be where I was when I left, and I think there will be some sprucing up that needs to be done, but I love to learn, yeah. so I guess there's there's a lot of good that will come from that uncomfortable beginning where I'm working extra hard to kind of get to where I want to be.
0: And what were you doing in between, because you said since 2015, mm-hmm. so have you been in schools then, since then?
2: Schools and skilled nursing um, since then, and early intervention for a few months in between there, but yeah, I haven't been in acute or rehab since 2015. So it's, it's going to be an exciting, but a little scary
3: jump back in. Have you felt like the continuing education has helped you brush up on your skills? Yes, I actually,
2: through this company and just through other companies, um, but I especially like that the ones are free through (laughs) advanced, but I've been learning a lot. And any video that has to do with specific skills, like watching in a modified barium swallow study, I'm like, oh gosh, I really should do that because the swallow is so darn fast. I don't even know what's happening. And there was one where I had to watch like 30 and they gave you time to analyze it. And then they reviewed the results. And I felt like it was hands-on practice, even though it was on the computer. So even that four or five-hour training made me feel a lot more comfortable to jump back in than to just be like, I think I remember where the epiglottis
0: is. <laughs> Somewhere in this area, <laughs> this general
1: area. <laughs> Send me the title of that video.
0: I will. <laughs> I mean, do you feel similar that you, I mean, you've obviously, you have done medical since 2015, yes. Kurt, right? Um, yeah.
1: Yes, and actually when I was home for a little bit of time between these past two contracts, so in January, hmm I guess it was December and January. I worked back at that same hospital in New Jersey mm-hmm. that they always kind of take me back with open arms, which is great. Um, so I have been back, um, but I, I did have one contract out in St. Louis that was um, a great, fantastic hospital um, where I just got a crazy amount of fantastic acute care experience, and that's now been it's now been a year almost since I finished that contract, and I do feel like if I went back there today. It would be maybe a week or two of warming back up to some of those skills and some of the terminology that I threw out of my mouth every single day. And now I haven't said those words in a year. And um, I think
2: when our contracts are so short, we are expected, or at least I hold myself to that level, to be good on day one. Yeah. So and if I took there, a perm job, I'd be like, oh, yeah, give me a few weeks wiggle room right. and we'll be good. But there, I think that's the fear that comes with it. It's like, I. I only have this amount of time. I'm not going to waste a bunch of it being like, can I shadow you <laughs> or yeah. can I, can you do Yeah, there's no this? time for that. The I expectation,
1: know. and when I did start there in St. Louis, the expectation was on day one, you're going to figure this out. Um, you know, we're going to shadow you. We're going to make sure that you're doing a good job for like an hour. And then you're on your own. Um, you're expected to just, you're a contractor. You're expected to have the skills. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have those skills, you shouldn't be here. Um, so good luck.
0: <laughs> and so what would you say? I mean, because we have people that are very concerned, you know, they're like, I'm going to be in the school. It's not where I want to be. Um, and so other than the continuing education, what other advice would you give or things that you all have done to stay up on skills? I mean, is volunteering, um, I know it's harder to volunteer now because of HIPAA, yeah. but I mean, what else could well, they do?
1: For example, I, we've never done this, but we've talked about it. If you know you're going to be, for example, at a school for nine months, you're going to have time to per diem at a hospital. So oftentimes as well, per diem positions are sometimes offered to people that don't really have a ton of medical experience Not always, but um, sometimes that's an option. Or if you do have some medical experience and you just want to stay fresh, I think that's a great way. There's so many school breaks. There's, you know, you get out of school early, so there's a lot of opportunity to stay up, um, keep up with your skills.
2: That way, every time I, I like contract work because I'm so close with my family in New Jersey that I love going home in between that time. And I am in a network there where I PRN. Constantly, I actually got asked for every day of the month of June, <laughs> Saturdays and Sundays included. I said, "Yeah, right." But <laughs> <laughs> but that is nice because even though skilled nursing is not at the level of acute, it still is that mm-hmm. medical swallow, cognitive based therapy where I feel like I can stay sharp, at least in those areas. Um, I, but you have the confidence. I think that's you have the medical
1: confidence. Yeah, I, I mean, I can attribute a lot of that just to the time that I've spent working in those settings. Um, if I hadn't spent that much time there, I I don't think I would feel as confident. Yeah. But I know I have those skills. They're just kind of back here and I just have to <laughs> yank them forward actually in a couple of weeks, so.
0: Shake it around.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're there.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, before we wrap up here, you know, um, I want to have, I have a couple other questions and then if Ila says anything. So um, I think, you know, um my two questions are you know what's next for you guys I know Julie you touched on it um but Kurt we don't know what's next for you and then um I want to know also what advice you would have for an SLP that wants to change settings or is afraid they're going to get pigeonholed whether that be somebody starting or somebody who's been doing the same thing for a while and they're like I want to change but I'm just I'm nervous I don't know if I can do it
2: Tell your exciting news.
1: Uh, Well, actually, I'm moving from here, from Denver to Crescent City, California. um, Sunday. On Sunday.
0: Congratulations. So that's in the
1: Pacific Northwest. That's where I did my first contract, and I can't wait to get back.
0: And what are you going to do there?
1: I'm going to be in an acute care Mm -hmm. hospital with, I think, a little bit of inpatient rehab and outpatient. So all things that I'm familiar with, but it's been a little while. Um, It's definitely a smaller hospital. Um, It's a very remote area of the country, but I'm really excited to get there. Um, I'm just confused that Julie's, why Julie's not going to be there. It's going to be very bizarre to be in that, um, in the Pacific Northwest without Julie, but um, we'll be Skyping, I guess.
2: (laughs) I'll be home. My goal was Alaska this summer, but my dad has been sick, and that's another reason why I love travel, because... Every three months I could go home to be with him and spend time. And when I did work perm in between, I did take like a year and worked permanently at home. I got, I think, nine days off a year. And thinking of being perm anywhere else and not having that time to be with my family um, blows my mind and makes me upset. So that's another perk of this. Um, So I'll be home for a little while in New Jersey and then an acute position somewhere else, hopefully when his ends so that we could do it together.
0: You can spend you, it's three months. Yeah. yeah. You'll be apart for three months. It will be the longest. It really oh, will. <laughs> the ultimate travel pair. <laughs> Every Kurt needs a Julie.
2: Oh, <laughs> needs a Kurt. Yeah. My quick funny story: yeah. My mom sent us care packages when we were living in Washington, <laughs> and she would send us both these chocolate-covered graham cracker boxes. And she would write on post-it notes, "Salted from
1: Trader oh. Joe's." Yes.
2: Oh. For Julie, when Kurt drives you crazy. For Kurt, when Julie drives you crazy, oh, and he gosh. sent her a video of dumping the whole box into a mouth one
0: day. <laughs> it's been a day. Yeah. <laughs> but so, any advice? What would you say to somebody who's who is nervous, and they're... Oh, my gosh, I, go just do it. it. Yeah. You've
2: got the skills. You I think just... it prevents you getting jaded. It prevents you from mm-hmm. getting stale. Every job I've been at, they're like, you can tell this is your first job. You're so excited and passionate. I was like, okay, well... Sure, sure. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> Not re- you say. let really. that. Yeah, glad yeah. I'm bringing that yeah. young energy to the table. <laughs> um, but
1: I really do feel fresh every time I start I a new job. And it, it you don't get sick of it. And you, You know, by the end of 13 weeks, you're just barely getting comfortable, really. So you are just, you're fresh the whole time.
2: I think it's something that everyone should do, whether or not it's to figure out where they want to be in their career or to just learn about themselves. Because
1: Just try something new one time, even.
2: My mind has been open to so many more opportunities and so much more happiness, really. I was keeping myself in this narrow lane where there was so much pressure. And once I opened that, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can love the career and love my life." There's, <laughs> there's a good perk here, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not shifted my setting or my mindset. Oh,
0: I love that. <laughs> well, you guys have been wonderful, um, and we thank you so much. Um, so this is the end of our first episode with Kurt and Julie, but we will be um, there will be a second one, and.
3: Yeah, so thank goodness the conversation doesn't end here because <laughs> I have so many more questions about your guys' life. So next time we are going to be talking about your exactly what you're saying, this work-life balance of being a travel SLP.
0: One more thing before we go, in case um, you're taking a break between this episode and the next, um, we want Kurt and Julie to give their Instagram oh, handles yes. because they – I follow them and I live through them, whether you want to see Kurt's food (laughs) pictures or all their amazing adventures. So what are your Instagram handles?
1: Uh, Mine is um, kurt.kina, K-E-E-N-A.
0: And mine is Julie
2: E. Irwin, J-U-L-I-E-E-I-R-W-I-N.
0: Yes, highly recommend it.
3: If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email at slpfulldisclosure at gowithadvance.com. And also, again, some people are visual learners. If you'd like to read the notes on the show, um, just look them up at gowithadvance.com slash SLP Full Disclosure. And also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know where to find the podcast, wherever you go for that. And um, if you found value from this show or learned something, give us a nice review. It'll really help us out. Thank you to our producer, Jonathan Carey. Our music and editing was by Aiden Dykes. And also, this podcast was powered by Advanced Travel Therapy. All right, thanks. We'll see you in the next episode.